Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to Get the Table, another wrestling roundtable discussion podcast with myself, Adam Wilborn, and the Dadly Boys of What Culture, Michael Hamlet and Michael Sidgwick, here to discuss a burning wrestling issue. Well, sort of, because today is more about just getting some stuff off your chest. Before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from. Uh, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, uh, Podbean, all those sorts of places. Uh, for daily wrestling podcasts, we review Raw, SmackDown, the show formerly known as NXT Tupac. Yeah! Oh, oh. AW Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete. Quiz, of course, on wrestling culture. Uh, as I said, though, joined by Hamlet and Sidge for a, a bit of airing of grievances. Sidge, what's been uh, grinding your gears? Well, just a bit of context. Uh, Festivus, the uh, additional holiday season invented by uh, Frank Costanza in Seinfeld. And one of the traditions of Festivus is the airing of grievances in a kind of a warped way. You probably should do this around the holidays just to get out of your system before you have a bit too much to glug and then <laughs> just think that, oh, your family member's a bit of a knob, isn't he? Uh, maybe he shouldn't have said that in the pub that time. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, he's like 40-odd years old and he shouldn't be such a child. And he should actually go out and do something else, uh, or anything, in fact, with his life. And uh, have something less to emotionally invest in. That's going to wind me up. So if you do the airing of grievances, you can approach the holiday season with it all out your system and Mm -hmm. go, you know what, glad we thrashed that out because it was just lingering in the air. So I was going to just tell you what, pitched this podcast about a month ago when something really wound me up and I thought, you know what, I'd like to go into detail on this. I forgot what the hell it was. (laughs) I cannot remember. There's always stuff that winds me up. There's always stuff that winds me up. That speaks to the... um the way that like Reddit or Twitter stirs up conversations because on any given day, you could want to go in two-footed on something. And then if you don't, the next day it's gone. The old thing of like writing a letter out and just like throwing it away for yeah. the next day. You could do that every single day by engaging online. You could have to write a letter every single night. This is what fucks me off today. And then you wouldn't post the letter the next day because it really just was this one storm. Those apps are incredible at generating the storm. Yes. Because that's what it's for, isn't it? We, we've done a, a really interesting video uh, regarding things that pissed us off. In, uh, in 2022, and I think a good sort of starting point for this, and probably the, one of the catalysts for this, uh, is, you know, you rant and rave about Papa Eich sometimes, but it's often not actually Papa Eich you're complaining about. It's the 
Papa H stands mm-hmm. on Twitter, which has become a real hellscape this year. Yeah, yeah, this year. Yeah. <laughs> Previously, wrestling Twitter <laughs> and squared circle just annoy us. I'm chronically addicted to Twitter. I realize that I am the uh, the master of my own demise here, and I should just not log on. I should do what Hamlet did. Did? His ears are dud, but what he did <laughs> and that is log off because I'm making my own misery here. Back, I enjoy being miserable. It's my, that's sort of my active state. Just the general takes that you see really bloody wind me up. You know, it really winds me up the most. I'm trying to think of the times when I'm actually gripping up my phone. And I'm like, oh, God, if I could just reach through it <laughs> and just, like, just smash my elbow into your temple, I'd really be happy. I'd be much happier now. Mm. Is uh, If you're going to be, like, a fed-pilled Vincel whatever, <laughs> just be it. Like, cackle. I'd rather you had cry-laugh emojis than do the concern troll where you're trying to pretend that you care. Mm. And your you, you, criticism is constructive. The thing that pisses me off my premier grievances. I just think Tony Khan needs some help. How patronizing. <laughs> Do you think he needs the help of Roman Reigns underscore 69 tribal chief suck my cack? Because I don't think he does. I think, in fact, you're going to contribute nothing to AEW's continued health and nothing to your own goddamn miserable life, in fact. I just think Tony Khan needs some help. He just needs someone who knows the business. Well, I think Tony Khan is actually in about... Ooh, a couple of months. Um, He could, in fact, by this time last year, right, make more money in North American professional wrestling than anyone not named Vince McMahon or Triple H because of the rights fees. I don't think he needs his help from anyone involved in wrestling. You know why? Because every, uh, pretty much everyone, 90 98% of people who've ever been involved in the professional re- wrestling industry are as thick as f***ing shit. I'm going to try and keep the swearing to a minimum. But, like, come on. Who's he going to get, right? Tony Khan, right, who booked MGF versus CM Punk, who booked with the contributions of his wrestling talent, obviously, but who laid out the framework and the destination and the how to get there of Kenny Omega versus Hangman Page, right, of all these wonderful moments in AEW's history, who's put together matches beyond the long-term pictures, to get people over and just give his fans loads of fun memories, right? I think he's he hasn't completed professional wrestling, right? But does he need help? And if he does, who's he going to get it off Will Bourne? Guy who uh, was very complimentary on Twitter. Like, hey, Tony, looking good there, bro. Road Dog. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think Road Dog, who knows the business inside out, do you think he needs a wave, a horde of Steve Bruce's to help him? I just need some help. Just look at what Road Dog did when he had those couple of weeks in charge of uh, what was it, main roster or NXT? When it was absolutely, yeah. well, he smacked both. He, was, yeah. he, he ruined yeah. SmackDown for a bit. He, uh, yeah, he ruined like the spirit of SmackDown that people actually liked, and uh, he was dreadful in NXT as well. I just hate the idea of oh, you know what? Uh, I think about Tony Khan is like he's never really been involved in the business. Well, he has actually like three years and counting at this point. And uh, you know who was involved in the professional wrestling business for decades is one of its greatest ever in ring talents is a man who knew in 1995 that it needed desperately to change, and he was the driver of that change, or one of the drivers of that change, right? And who was basically being credited with, in 2008, coming up with one of the best storylines in WWE history, and it was kind of left to the players involved because they were so good at it. And that's Shawn Michaels, right? He books NXT 2.0. <laughs> 
That is the show that the amateur should be booking, right? The idiot amateur with too much crazed energy. That's the output that 2.0 is, right? AW Dynamite is much better. It's a much better professional wrestling show where the characters matter and the characters are realistic and the titles mean more and people actually watch it, right? Oh, no, but you need someone who knows the business, right? Everyone involved in wrestling is thick. Do you know what? Wine Tony Khan is so much cleverer, so much more qualified, so much more educated than these Idiot carnies. And the fact that you think because they've been in wrestling and have the experience means that he needs their help. It just drives me absolutely up the wall. Mm. Good conversation on this topic got lost because of the state of a Twitter or a Reddit as well. Um, we should have been able to have reasonable chats about Tony Khan's failings or AEW's failings from the very beginning. But the bad faith accounts and the trolls and the useless tosses doing cry laugh emojis or whatever. They ruined it. They completely polluted the water. Huge backlash this year because yeah. we object more. We sat here. We did we what said, we do every week. We gave our opinions on wrestling shows. Every yeah. single week, that's what we do. There's no, the, and this is a grievance, right? There is no trick to this game. There is no, we're not trying one thing or another. We're not on anyone's pocket. Like, if we were, you'd know about it a lot more. <laughs> like, I would, and this is going to lead me on to a grievance I've got later on. You would just know about it. You would be able to see it. We just talk about what we like and what we don't like. And the water was so polluted for such a long time. The Tony Khan thing, right? I, when he is surrounding himself with people, I would argue sometimes he's not doing a very good job of that. Like, a lot of wrestlers seem to gimmick their way into jobs they shouldn't have because what they're best at is wrestling. And yet wrestlers are also really good, like, carnies and talkers. Like, this guy he's just hired from WWE. I forget the guy's name. But you know why that is? It's because he's never appeared on television. He's a production guy that is credited with doing really good production things. Was he going to be like Kevin Dunn's understudy or something? The heir to the throne. Yeah, the, the throne, right. So, like, that is a far more logical hire than bringing in six wrestlers who are like, hey, uh, Tony, I held a camera once in, uh, in, in the performance <laughs> centre, so I'm perfect for this, and getting put in the production truck. Tony Khan knows what he's doing because he's hired somebody like that rather than for, a, like, whereas previously that um, press release and it was like, uh, yeah, we got uh, Jerry Lynn for this. Chris Jericho's going to help a bit more with this. Like, Lance Storm's on deck. We both was like, fine. But then you have, like, six fights three weeks later, and it's like, well, this didn't work. Like, there could have been chat about that, yeah. but we've never had a chance because from the very, very beginning, like, AEW was just trapped by such a weird way, by weird people, that at the point at which there was reasonable criticisms to make on the product, there was this unified army of people that felt that their job every day was to wake up and defend the brand and there was no need for them to do that. I think there's been plenty of times where our criticism has been reasonable and fair and I'm not just speaking for us. I think across this space, I think there is good and reasonable criticism of AEW out there but a lot of the time it doesn't get a chance to breathe. Yeah, and this, my grievance extends very briefly into something else. It was when the CM Punk and the advice thing kicked off, right? I don't know for certain. You can hear the testimony of all, this ex-veteran helped my career in this way. Good, right, cool. I'm not saying that these people are all completely useless, right? But the amount of veterans whose advice is considered sacrosanct, who meekly participated in a system, WWE, they knew at their core was broken just to get a payday. Like, how can I... If you're someone like the elite hangman page who disrupted this system, right, would you have this much reverence towards the people who participated meekly in it and watched it decline and lose viewers because they knew they were just licking Vince McMahon's ass mm -hmm. to keep a job? 
just absolutely winds me up. Like, you know, I just do me. I just do me. I like to help the young guys. I just like to poke my head around the curtain at PWG and see which batches Dave Meltzer gives the most five, five star ratings to. And I just control an F that and the Wrestling Observer. Then I hire them. I just do me. <laughs> I just do me. I just do me. Like, don't tell me that there's a secret. Uh, Cavalcade of geniuses in professional wrestling that could help it. Oh, yeah. I should get William Regal to help out and book it. He didn't book it. He was the kayfabe on-screen general manager of NXT. The man hasn't booked a promotion his entire life. So why would Tony Khan, the man who you're burying for having minimal experience, seek the counsel of someone with no experience? <laughs> I'm not saying that, you know, Moxley and Danielson and Claudio don't hold this guy in... Major respect. Yeah. He's obviously done something that we can't necessarily see. Should be booking it. No. What's the phrase? How you many mean? bookers have you been impressed by in this 21st century? Ryan Ward and, and Ghetto and Tony Khan. Three. What's the phrase you? Bad faith actors. Bad faith actors. Yeah. Um, well, you mentioned breast conference there. They've got a lot to answer for in, in 2022. But I'm going to try and steer clear of brawl out because that's been talked out for six months, it feels like. But I know an issue that you've had is, and we're not going to name any names, and we're not specifically aiming at people here, but it, the softball questions we've seen across both companies, WWE and AEW, is infuriating. And I'll admit that, you know, I've been in that room, and it's very intimidating, and some people, I'm going to give, I am going to mention someone by name here that I'm going to praise. Denise Salcedo, yeah. right? Samoa Joe's there. It might have even been his first night in the company, and she was like, so you've been fired by WWE twice. What's that like? Now, that's not a question he probably wants to answer on his first night. He wants to be like, what are you going to achieve in, in AEW or Ring of Honor or whatever it is? I, th I thought that was a great question. I can't even remember the question that I asked. I doubt it was that hard-hitting, but then I'm not a wrestling journalist. I'm a bloke who does funny voices on the internet, basically. But a lot of them are the runaway freight train thing that you always say. I'll put over Denise Salcedo as well because... I'm pretty sure, I could be wrong about this, but I'm pretty sure she refers to herself as a broadcaster and not a journalist. A lot of people in that room can call themselves journalists. And the state of... They fancy I, themselves journalists. Yeah, well, this is it. Like, this, I, like, they I fancy themselves. Journalists. <laughs> I did a journalism degree, and I'm not a journalist. Ooh, fancy Ooh, dang! fancy dang! <laughs> fancy dang! Michael Meltzer over here. Stop the presses, huh? <laughs> and, I'm not, and I'm not a journalist in this role. At all. We come here and we give our opinions. And yeah, look, I want to be informed. Uh, but every now and then, if I haven't pulled a fact of mine, I might still say it on the off chance that, well, I can probably back it up later. Yeah. These do not behave like There has never been any regulation. There has never been any rules. There are people that you can trust more than others. And as we all get a little bit older, there is a generation of ours that understands the value of Dave Meltzer and another generation that completely doesn't and has found their own Dave Meltzer and so on. And that we will always keep turning. But when wrestling has never been more open to that, to the wrestling media. And it has been with WWE this year with the somewhat infamous clash at the Castle press conference. <laughs> but it was driven by AEW and it was driven by Tony Khan because he took people from the wrestling media to help his product. Chris Harrington was somebody that was wrestling media that had value within the economics of pro wrestling. I think as a hobby to begin with. I think he had a podcast of his own, didn't he? And had value. He started WrestleNomics. Yeah, like Dave Meltzer. I think, I think. Dave Meltzer's bet with Cody Rhodes, of course, that like has this butterfly effect. There's, there's lots of ways in which the media and wrestling can work together. Um, but I don't think press scrums should be that. And there's problems with the whole process. This is my general grievance, is that there's problems with the whole process. There's never a layout as to whether or not this is supposed to be reality or kayfabe. So CM Punk's rant can sit uneasily with 
Tony Storm coming in next and talking about which challenges she wants to fight for the interim women's title. Like those two things shouldn't be in the same yeah. room. So these press people that are completely flabbergasted by what they've just witnessed have then got to either A, try and ask real questions and good ones, or B, just like fearfully stay on track and please Tony Khan because they're so worried now that they're going to be kicked out of the room. It doesn't work. I guess, right, we're in the content game, so we understand that content now is king still. It doesn't, it's replaced news. Newspapers are dying. Content websites are fine. So maybe just people aren't as interested in facts and figures or it's more of a niche concern compared to the stuff that generates conversation. But these press conferences should be one or the other. They should absolutely be one or the other because they're helping nobody. The rest of the media like, is laughable in contrast to the real media. Again, I don't really want to bury anybody because I'm not in that room very often. And the one time I was, I kind of understood the pressure yeah. that some of oh, them yeah. were under. But I don't think that, like, when you hear that they're, when real journalists, sports journalists are in that room, they're coming out there. I've heard, like, this said on other podcasts. They're scratching their heads wondering... What the hell have I, what is this circus that I've just walked into? That whole take about pro wrestling where it couldn't get advertisers or it was like seen as this silly thing that if you didn't understand it, you never would and all that. These press conferences are an opportunity to legitimize it mm. in a good way. You could talk for real about the facts and figures of a business and not the Sidgwick business, the business, like, because it is a business, money gets made, careers, jobs, contracts, all that sort of stuff. But like, instead, we get this strange mishmash. The media come out looking bad. Some of the wrestlers, look like lesser than they were on TV by being in that room. They don't look like champions. Suddenly they look reduced. They look, like, grateful. Tony Khan has become a meme of himself through the reactions to various talents and his quirks and his foibles, of which we've all got them, but Tony Khan's are then, you know, like, under this microscope. WWE, which already has a problem with the way in which I think people perceive it, and how it treats the media that it wants to look after its brand because it's such a toxic brand, runs something like Clash at the Castle where some people ought to be absolutely ashamed of themselves yeah. for the way they carried on in that thing. Like, do you think people in that room should do a better job asking questions? Because I do. Mm. And I just think, like, ultimately, why bother if it's going to be if it's going to make a laughing stock of everybody, if it's going to make a la- laughing stock of the media, all forms of it, the journalistic side, the media side, the content side, everybody's laughing at that from the outside. If the wrestlers look worse off it, and if it can be used as it was at Brawl Out for agendas to just be laid out on the table and the business to be embarrassed. Like, Tony Khan as a businessman was embarrassed by CM Punk for all that being laid out on the table without getting into a punk debate. If that's what it's as a platform for, it shouldn't exist at all. If it was taken away we would all miss it. But the whole thing feels like it's being wasted. And I like Triple H, Sidgwick said this years ago, long before AEW was even a thing. Triple H did those. Smaller t- Facebook Live ones or something. Did the equivalent of them because it was just basically a way to like, people suck him off. Takeover was class again, Paul. Yeah, I think it was actually. Any more questions? I just love Takeover, Paul. Yeah, thanks very much. Uh, next I want to hear from someone I love Takeover, mate. Can I take all your balls? You sure can, pal. Well, <laughs> yeah, no. Like question after question after question like that. Tony Khan spotted that. And what he was, was get- a runaway freight train you used. Ah, t- Tony Khan, AEW's got the momentum of a runaway freight train. How have you kept this product so popular? It's the Lisa Simpson, Mr. Burns thing when he's running for office. Like, and then the product stutters a little bit and nobody wants to ask questions. Say, um, Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston, how's that going? Nobody's bringing up the stuff you actually want to hear. So like now he's in that position where he's got to get the pay-per-views back to such a quality that people could just go back to sucking him off so that it feels right again. The vibe in the room is all wrong and gone, and wrestling media, and we are part of wrestling media, 
become a bit of a laughing stock, I think. And I, I resent that. Do you resent that? Because yeah, I do. I take a lot of pride in my job. Do you resent that? Because I do. <laughs> uh, right, one more thing on this, right? It's one thing, there's a total sham. That embarrasses me. They even start veering into kayfabe talk, yeah. and I'm like, it's part of the show. Like, what are we doing here, lads? It's one thing if you're going to do that, because if it was just that one thing and it was settled as that one thing, I'd say, ah, oh, Christ, what a total sham, what a joke. But it's just a vehicle to advance your storylines. Fine, I won't watch it. I find it tedious. When a scenario is gift-wrapped in front of you, when people are willing to be candid, and I'm not a journalist, right? I don't have the investigative mind. I'm more of a critic. I don't have that investigative mind or like, oh, there's a lead here, or there's a story. Mm. I instantly thought when I was watching that press conference, right, he said it. If you open Pandora's box, you'd be an idiot not to take a step mm -hmm. in it. Why didn't any of them have the journalistic instinct to say, right, okay, CM Punk has said is adamant that he's got nothing to do with it, okay? You've just backed up what you said to, I believe it was Forbes, that... No, it was my decision. Right, okay. Do you not grasp how when other people that are aligned with the ROH brand, like Samoa Joe, frequently appear on Dynamite, do you not get that that is why this Colt Cabana thing mm. continues to take place? Furthermore, with that being the case, we know from your established TV product that uh, there's no such thing as an ROH exclusive signing. That is a weird designation that appears to only relate to Colt Cabana. Uh, why didn't you have him lose on elevation? Yeah. Why? There was a very big missing piece of a puzzle that someone yeah. could have just slotted straight in. Yeah. Why is he the only one who is ROH exclusive? Because the, the thing you're telling us, Tony, it doesn't pass the smell test mm -hmm. um, of, like, truth, basically. Just no one, I, it's one thing to take part in these shams and to watch these shams. I wouldn't do it if I knew they were just a sham. But when you've got CM Punk, just say, I'll talk about anything. Ask him anything. It's an AMA. I'll, I'll name a name, right? Because I think I want to put him over as an uh. exceptional, exceptional MMA journalist, Ariel Helwani, right? I would argue he became somewhat of a performer on behalf of WWE this year, but those things are separate. In MMA, unparalleled, mm. I've seen his work like, I've got not much interest in MMA, but I've got interest in Ariel Helwani's work. I mm. think he's that good. Dana White didn't like him being around. Ooh. I think that's a badge of honour. Like, the guy doesn't want it there because he's going to get to the number stuff. WWE, different Triple H interview. Not, not like a credible piece of journalism, an interesting piece of work, but, like, there was a thing he did with Drew McIntyre around Clash at the Castle weekend where it felt like he was just there as, like, a big fan. They're kind of different jobs, really, and fine, take it as that. Everybody completely lost their goddamn minds when he did that interview with Tony Khan. And both men were in the right. Ariel Hawani kept asking quite difficult questions, and Tony Khan kept saying, I can't really talk about that. And it became, yes, it was quite an awkward thing to watch, but both of them were doing the job, like, effectively. Ariel Hawani was trying to drill in. Tony Khan was going to give some stuff away, not others, because he wants to talk about that we've got a great match here on TBS, so we've got a pay-per-view, whatever it was he was promoting. And they're both within their rights to mm -hmm. do it. More wrestling media... People aren't going to like this, but they've just never seen it done the right way. It should look like that, and it should be a really great, insightful interviewer gradually either wearing away an interview subject until they get something or changing the conversation, but at least having shown mm. that they've tried. I think I don't think there was anything wrong with that, but I remember wrestling Twitter at the time, kind of lost its mind it over was, it. If he hadn't laid in bed with WWE. Yeah. 
I did the voiceover for Extreme Rules, like that broadcast right, yeah. two days prior. So it just felt like you had an axe to grind and it was an agenda. If you hadn't done that, absolutely fine. But he kind of stepped on his own dick. <laughs> <laughs> There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. <laughs> now, I'm, what pisses you off, Wilborn? Well, I was gonna be quite an impartial, you know, mediator here, but I, I kind of get mainly pissed off. I get pissed off about Shane McMahon booking himself in the Royal Rumble and stuff like that. But that is it, enough water's gone under that bridge, and he got fired by his own dad, so that's quite funny. Um, <laughs> I get pissed off on behalf of you two because I really think that some of the you know, I don't really get a lot of backlash. And if I do, like, I laugh at it. And it's very sporadic. And it's very sort of you ginger specky prick, you know, that sort of thing. Or are you really annoying? Just going for my physical appearance or personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't really care. But, like, it, this is just really fresh in my mind. I, a, because I think a part of it is I'm going to get to a bit that I thought was quite funny, naturally, uh, regarding this in, in due course. But, like, yeah, circling back to, like, these people, I think it's fair to take an aim at and go, hang on, you either present yourself as or you are literally employed. If I look at your bio on Twitter or whatever, you know, the, the articles that you write, or whatever it may be, you say I am a professional wrestling journalist. Like you say, it's a weird job to have. I understand that of like balancing that and stuff. And like, you know, you guys have your own preferences. I think it's fair to say, Sige. Obviously, prefers AEW, but can still find stuff. One of your favorite matches this year was a WWE match, the Clash of the Castle, Sheamus uh, and Gunther. And I think it's fair to say for you, Hamlet, you're more of a WWE fan considering the history of the product, Mm. but you can appreciate AEW as well. And I think 
Personally, I think it's a really nice balance we found here. I think we sort of stumbled into doing this podcast a few years ago because we were like, right, let's just get three lads in a, in a studio to talk about Raw. And then I'm really proud of what we've achieved. But it also annoys me, and it wasn't just the AEW thing, but it just that sticks in my mind. It really pisses me off when people say, oh, here they are. No wonder they're called What Culture WWE on Twitter. Right, we can't change that. Yeah. We literally cannot change that. We would if we could and, and all the stuff that goes with that, right? And yes, you know, Sid will say, check out my AEW Dynamite Ups and Downs article at whatculture.com forward slash WWE. Again, right, that's legacy stuff. We didn't realize <laughs> that there was going to be, and effectively at that time, WWE was shorthand for wrestling, right? But to turn around and say like, Oh, here they are, the shills, you know. <laughs> Cedric will never say anything nice about WWE ever. No, he's just, I've watched him, and when I got there, he was already pretty ground down by it all, but I've watched him, fight, like, the light came back into his eyes when this alternative <laughs> product came back. Yes, he prefers it because it serves his wants and needs when it comes to wrestling, right? Just because, I, I'm a, I say this all the time with you, my WWE brain, I go, oh, maybe this should happen. But that's because I've just been like fed yeah, this. Yeah. You know, if I watched EastEnders for 20 years and they went, what do you reckon we should do with this Coronation Street song? And I'd go, probably get Phil involved or something. Like, because <laughs> that's what I've been trained to watch. You two are far more knowledgeable and creative and, and, you know, you're so eloquent with it in terms of the way you talk about it and the way you write about it, of course. But So to just boil it down to be like, Sid doesn't like anything WWE. Oh, Hanford has to be anti-AW because Sid likes AW too much. Uh, it's just, it's a load of bollocks and it really pisses me off. So I'm going to get to the point that, that I said was, was, was funny. I, I just saw literally, I think yesterday or maybe even this morning when I was looking for Twitter questions because obviously I see replies on what culture's Twitter account to articles that we post as, you know, tweets and oh whatnot. And I, can't, I don't even know what article it was about. It was something you'd written, and someone had been like, here we go, here we go, Cedric, says AEW's better than WWE. And, eh, fuck. <laughs> but a lot of the time, you know, I, I wind you up, obviously, but admittedly, a lot of the time, wait a second. And I mean, <laughs> folks, where's the lie? And someone was like, oh, have you read what he's written? I think it's a fair assessment. Of, I think it was about MJF. I think it was about MJF and Roman Reigns, yes. possibly, right? You know, you're not saying Roman Reigns is bad. You say Roman Reigns is the best thing in WWE right now. Best storyline, obviously. Um, and someone had replied, quite rightly, and this wasn't, you know, a Sidgwick stan, you know, Sidgwick made Megaphone. fun of it. Yeah, sorry. But um, it was just someone saying, no, have you read it? I think it's quite an interesting read. It's got some valid points there. He's not saying Roman's, you know, we have to write hyperbolic headlines. It's content game we just write here's what we think about mjf people can go right you yeah. know we've got we got a bit of but it's you know oh i'm gonna click that and this is me off i've got to click on that that's the game we're in sometimes yeah. and someone went yeah but he's a massive aw mark isn't he like he wrote a book about them and someone else went he wrote a book about nxt as well <laughs> end of conversation that was my favorite thing. I, I checked i was like anyone watch it on this thread oh no you shut the fuck up because you just realized that he's just it just pisses me off for both of you, but particularly... It's one of my bugbears as well, because... And again, we met so many awesome people in Cardiff, right? That I kind of needed to meet those people, because it just reminded you that, you know what, it's the small sample of miserable babies, basically, who pollute this discourse. Can you imagine reading The Observer or Power Slam magazine in, like, the late 90s, and 
it's all in second person against this two these two <laughs> readers who think it's all rubbish that they write about. It's, I don't know how we've become embroiled in this, and I'm trying to get away from it, but sometimes it is cathartic, but it's just these idiot babies, and that's what they are. They are babies. have mutated the way that people cover and react to and discuss professional wrestling to such a warped, ridiculous extent that imagine writing a book about these two babies and what they think of your writing and then responding to them. I think that demeans me to do it, <laughs> but they are just so obnoxious and so entitled and so ignorant that I get pissed off, pissed off enough to do it. And I've, again, it's kind of a resolution this year, but I've tried not to do it in my own writing. But like I've said this before, I've used this example. Uh, the Elite are my favorite thing in wrestling, other than like M MGF probably, right? And I love their matches. I love investing in the storyline. I love pouring over the details. Okay, if someone was to make a joke about the funny way that Kenny Omega starts his runs or the fact that Matt Jackson sometimes is an absolutely horrendous actor, <laughs> right? If it's funny enough, I'll laugh at it. Yeah. I will laugh at it. We're not going to name the names here, okay? Right. But there's, there's a certain Twitter account that has anti-AEW sentiment that I think is piss funny, mm. even though I prefer AEW. Yeah. It's my promotion of choice because I'm not a baby. I understand that not everything I like about something is perfect. Um, I just I, these people are babies, and there's not many of them as well. No, they are babies who cannot handle their thing being criticised because it forms so much of their identity. And I almost pity them. Like there's one person where I almost did, you know, the Mbappe crying game <laughs> <laughs> because he was going on and on and us for like criticising Bray Wyatt. And I looked on his profile, I deleted it because I felt bad because I just thought this kid's got not, nothing much going on in his life. I looked at who he was following, and I was like, he was only following five people, and I was one of them, and. Someone from what culture who's nice than me was the other one. I just thought, <laughs> oh, I'm just ruining his good time, and he doesn't really have many good times because he's obviously doing this in his life, mm. criticizing me every with every tweet. So I'm just going to delete the Mbappe things. He might be a troubled guy. Mm. Uh, but they're babies. They are babies who, if they have the capacity to do it, just grow up. Another thing, that's right. Mm. <laughs> Sorry, I've got on a bit of a soapbox here, right? That's what it's for. Um, we've been told off for, for doing this and politicizing stuff before, and I'm not going to get too political, right? Kane's a dickhead, right? Yeah. And, and a bad human being. He's a bad human being, right? Who personally, right, there you go, subjectively, I disagree with politically, right? But what pisses me off is when, you know, Phil, for example, did some really good tweets a while back when, when Glenn Jacobs was, was saying all the stuff that he, Phil and I and uh, many other people probably are going to disagree with, right? And people are like, put some damn respect on his name. Why? <laughs> Why? Why? What's the legacy? Like a mate, of my, you know, mates of mine, the really casual wrestling fans of mine. If I said name ten wrestlers, Kane would be on that list a hundred percent. If I said name a good Kane match, they're struggling, mate. They're, they go pyro, fire, horrific storylines that have really aged badly. The Undertaker, he's also terrible. the door terrible. off the cage. Yeah, don't forget how bad the Undertaker yeah, is. We can't, yeah, we can't leave out the Undertaker and all of this. Again, it's baby attitude. Like they view this through the lens of a child when they're a grown up, or at least they should be if they're on Twitter. Um, grow up, basically. <laughs> this wrestling business, I don't trust anyone who doesn't have a love hate relationship with it. Yeah. I generally don't. I don't trust people who can go back and watch something from 2006 where Kane rapes in the storyline and then they become a baby face duo like four months later. Then grow up. Grow up if you can watch that through the same lens, right? And that's just the creative. The backstage and the toxicity of professional wrestling as an industry, the fact that there are 
overgrown babies out there who treat it with a reverence, but I, I got respect this business. Kane's taken fucking fifteen hundred consecutive side slams and he's bumped for my entertainment. Well, the matches were boring. He's an absolute mark for doing it for that long, and it serves him right for being an idiot because he's stupid and he's turned heel in the eyes of so many people. And all those bumps. I hope he, I hope he walks around in physical pain for the rest of his stupid life. If you don't have a love-hate relationship with professional wrestling, you are weird and immoral. That exact mindset has uh, reminded me of like my lowest ebb as a wrestling fan this year in terms of, especially with like what you're seeing online as you're doom scrolling and or you're going looking for takes. Like, this is it. It's active in Twitter. You're going looking for takes. So you, even if you're not necessarily following, Twitter will throw other things at you. My lowest ebb as a wrestling fan in terms of maybe what I thought of... Fellow wrestling fans, I guess. That idea about Kane taking X number of bumps, so we should treat him with some goddamn respect. The things he put his body through for our entertainment. Didn't put it through for my entertainment. I was never entertained by Kane, actually. Might have put it through for yours. Was, and I've said this on other podcasts, but this is the place to kind of like try and bottom line it. The, I'm not going to name names, but if you follow them and you didn't see them do this, name them yourself. Some people need to have a serious word of themselves about how they treat the Vincent Mann story and are already showing their asses even when there becomes the rumour of him coming back. When you didn't talk about it in a thing where you talk about wrestling every single day, right? And this is the thing, you'd be like, oh, I was like off Twitter for a week. I was on holiday doing whatever, right? Fine. This is the biggest story of all of our lives as wrestling fans yeah. ever. Vincent Mann is resigning in disgrace and it's happening over a period, a protracted period of two or three weeks where he has to resign from one little job at first before walking away completely. This was this whole thing. The day that Wall Street Journal article came out, basically confirming what we've all known. Let's mm, not pretend yeah. we all look up on it. What? Vincent Mann's a bad guy? Like, loads of this stuff was already out in the open, but here it is, just like nice and polished and wrapped and everything is like, it's never been clearer. And here's, and to go back to media outlets, here's a fucking legitimate one giving you the actual story <laughs> yeah. because... This is what f***ing journalism looks like, and they've done the work. They've done the work, right? Um, and even if none of us have paid the $5 to get the Wall Street Journal, I think somebody had so we could read it on Twitter. <laughs> yeah. like, we're, all, we're all phonies. Right, there it is. It's out there. If there's anyone you follow, if there's anyone whose coverage you rely on, and I'm extremely proud of all of our coverage in this room and beyond from what culture, but if there's anyone in this business that you didn't, get the reality and the truth and the honesty of what comes first in that story, which is... All the horrendous things Vincent Mann did, the fallout, the follow through, how WWE are going to act, the investigation. Not, thank you so much for all the great years, Vince. Thank you, Vince. Thank, we you. Get, thank goodness we get to see you one more time on SmackDown yeah. tonight. Any of the people that were like, and I said this at the time, any of the people that said nothing until Vince McMahon tweeted and said, time for me to retire, and then talked about that rather than talking about all the reasons that got him there should be ashamed of themselves, especially because of the context of why he's done it. Like, there could have been a lot... Say if it was just something... Like, this was financial irregularities. But let's just, like... Let's say it was tax dodging, which I'm sure he's done plenty of that, right? Let's say it was just tax dodging. I could almost be like, oh, there was some, like, boring Financial Times things. Now Vince is leaving. Bloody hell, didn't see that coming. I love Austin Brett. See you, Vince, whatever. I could almost get that. But the nature of why and how yeah. he went, which was everywhere. Again, oh, it's just... Off Twitter, I had no idea. My first sight of the news was a Vince McMahon Smackdown graphic saying he was leaving. I can't believe it. Well, before you tweet, take five more minutes to scroll down and yeah. see some other tweets on They knew subject. what they were bloody doing. And yeah, they knew what they were doing. And there was loads of them. And again, I would ask people to just remember that time and remember who spoke and who didn't. And put a put a little ticker across in the column as a result. Just block the other ones that don't read their stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, it stands like for something. I, look, we can't take stands all the time. And this is not my call that like every single time a thing happens, 
you should be like up front and out front. That was pretty. All of us would be made hypocrites of for something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All of us. That Vince one was open and shut, and a bunch of people showed their asses because they like WWE. I like WWE, but like, and if, and if they weren't doing the, oh, to be on holiday, don't bother me, don't bother me. There were other people, not that one, <laughs> <laughs> who uh, were trying to get the likes out, trying to make themselves visible because they knew that they had to do something. Industry wide, something. it's the biggest thing ever. Yeah, you cannot not be in the. Politics. And then it was like. Ah! McMahon on TV, and I, uh, the stage just gets crazier, uh, with that stupid emoji. So yeah. I want to talk about how he's uh, been an alleged rapist. Yeah. Why don't you talk about that? Anyway. Any uh, final uh, speed round ones you want to mention here? I really hate it when the young bucks sing the song when they come down to the ringside. <laughs> Trying to keep it light. Genuinely, right? That's a pivot to yeah. light, lighter stuff in wrestling you don't like. Like, to pay that wrestlers, when they sing their own theme tunes, Paige used to do it in WWE, Hogan used to do it in the NWO. Like, it makes me absolutely cringe, and I wish they'd stop. I hope. When Kenny Omega worked dark, one of my favourite things was just hearing Battle Cry again. I hope we get the being the Elite music back when all of the... When, the, when they've got the fucking bull, egotistic bullshit out of the way. <laughs> like, with this Best of Seven series, I hope we get, like, the Elite back that I like the best. You could scroll past this fella's timeline. And he's one of the best professional wrestlers on the world, right? In the world, on the planet. Right. Scroll back, scroll back. Uh... June, May, April, March, February, January, January the 7th, 2022. I've been best years of my career. Just so goddamn grateful for all the work and where my match is good. It's like, Dax, it's January 7th. <laughs> Stop tweeting this all year. I understand you've had a great year. Right? I thought we were going to do like a Chris Jericho bit. It was like, where was your wife on January 6th? <laughs> I knew what Dax Howard was on January 7th. He was talking about how good his year was and he was seven <laughs> days old. Like, Jesus Christ, I do a bit where I quite like validation. Who doesn't? But if I'm saying, calm down. Like, yeah. you, I remember the Aussie Open match, which was rave received by everyone in mm -hmm. attendance, and they realized, oh, God, it's not going to be on World. And then Dax was like, oh, my God, this match. I'm so happy about it. So, it's going to be so cool when you all get to see it. It's a career achievement of mine. I had about 52 this year, actually. <laughs> this year, 22, which was so good for us. Uh... And then, like, you realized that everyone's like, oh, this is the best tag team match of all time. You guys, I my big worry now is that you're going to overrate it. I thought you didn't care about star ratings, Dags. I thought you thought that it's all about the Young Bucks. And I don't talk about Dave Meltzer and stars. That's not what wrestling's about. Uh, basically, guys, I'm worried it's going to go to four and a half because <laughs> of the hype. It's actually five. Just admit that you're a Young Buck at heart, Dax Harwood, yeah. because your match layouts and the twists and the... The only thing that separates it is flips and super kicks, match layouts, the love for critical acclaim, the precision engineered matches to garner critical acclaim. Like, the style is superficial, right? The bottom of the iceberg, you're the same people deep down, and that's why you should all work together, CM Punk, Kenny Omega, FTR, and the Young Bucks, and make some goddamn money. I love Dax Harwood as a wrestler on Twitter. I'm like, yeah, it's worse than me. It's, we've, we've already acknowledged that like Dax and the Young Bucks has become like Marty Sidgwick's latest, latest culture war. There's always got to be one. Yeah, He's yeah. always got to stand in the middle of it. But like Sidgwick's made the right point there. What we always agree on is like, just get on in a room and give the matches because yeah, yeah. you're all kind of the same and you've got the same faults and the same, like, you have the same success stories. You've all broadly got the same takes and taste. But the differences should be what makes it magic. That should be the thing that what makes all of this perfect. Instead, it's ripped us all apart. And that was really stupid. Um, I had one last one, and it was about, you know, like, we were talking about this yesterday, like, Twitter Blue, and yes. how, like, 
at some point that will impact probably like the tone of Twitter and what gets shared and what doesn't. And I guess like accounts without the tick are not going to be brought to the front and whatever. I would like the death of, and this might sound like a bit hypocritical because we've said things we don't like. And I guess that kind of sounds like we're laying, <coughs> laying out rules. I would like the death of certain just like accepted rules and gatekeepery tropes and things that are okay to like that day and things that are not. The Chris Jericho, Garrett Kidney thing, I think is a really good example of that. Chris Jericho had just as much right to tell Garrett Kidney to F off after he was really buzzed with his match as Garrett Kidney did to say, well, I'm analysing this the way I believe and uh, it kind of looks like you're doing a bit of a Jericho, actually, Jericho. Both those takes were great fun and existed for a purpose. I want more of that on Twitter because the two people being incredibly honest that's heart and sleeve tweeting from both of those people. Yeah. And I want more of that because there's too many people that kind of like set the rules and set the agenda and you can't then just have your thoughts. To go to the WWE point, right? And this is what I love about working with Sitch is that like he knows full well that when I'm saying, oh, like, please, like, move mountains, like, change your routine tonight to go and check out this thing from SmackDown. Well, I'm saying it going, he's never going to do it. But Sitch is saying it going, he means it, the freak, <laughs> like the weirdo, like the, it's earnest. And I think that's what I'm after. I'm after sort of people to, it's not, this is not just a blanket, like what you like, but like some people really do like WWE. And even those people have been lost because there's a bunch of arseholes with Roman Reigns or Sasha Banks avatars that are sort of ruining it. Like I would like all of that to go away. There are too many people that make this binary and it's absolutely not. Mm. And that, like, that does just as much harm, I think, to good conversations and people wanting to say, like, if there were nice people in your reply, Sidwick, saying, well, I disagree with this because, like, here was my favourite thing on SmackDown this week. There's nothing wrong in that, is there? I know, I know. There's, there's no, but people don't realise, and it just gets, again, Twitter makes the algorithm, so those things get lost anyway. So I wonder if, like, a lot of people racing to get a tick that they've got to pay eight quid a month for, they'll become the heels and the good conversation will take place mm. in the, in, in the non-tick corner of Twitter. That's where the good chat can take place, maybe. Fingers crossed. Anything else? No. I have grievances There's with anybody. Loads. That, There's loads, but well, I just yeah. can't remember them. I have grievances with anybody that isn't listening to this right now or subscribing because we love everybody that does. And yeah. it's been class that we've kept going all this time and we want to keep going. So, And I, at the start of this year, had no idea who Kanosuke Takeshita was. And he's one of my favourite wrestlers this year, so... Just to summarise those arseholes who go, I don't know who that is. I don't like, know who Konosuke Takeshita is. I don't know who... I mean, I've seen him about ten times now. I still don't know who he is. I didn't, I didn't know who half the people in AEW probably were when they first appeared. There's a video Guess package. What? Guess what? I know in about five it. minutes they're probably going to wrestle and I'm either going to go, I like that or I don't like that. So don't gatekeep. Just, you know... Well, unless you know everything about this. Like, how many times have I come in and gone... Gatekeeping's good. <laughs> just, I, just, I just I can't fathom the idea that something didn't happen to you for the very first time. Like, if somebody tells you about a band, you're like, well, I don't know anything about them. I fucking listen to them and you will. <laughs> that's how this. That's how you engage with absolutely anything. Your, your team that you support has signed a player. Well, I've never seen them play for us before. That's the point, and now they will. They might be good, they might be bad. You don't know. You get the this. irony is that the amount of football fans who convince themselves that the new sign is great because you watch two minutes of them on YouTube. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> perfectly curated yes. video package, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I feel a lot better for that. Um, let us know your grievances on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Well, <laughs> not that much. Um, obviously, uh, we're perfect. Uh, well, actually, you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamlet at... Michael Hamlet. Follow Michael Sidgwick at... M. Sidgwick. Follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. Make sure you subscribe to WhatCulture Wrestling, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts. But for now, this has been Get the Table, the airing of grievances episode. My thanks to the Dadley Boys. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.